0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash picturelock. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to WERALP Arlington, 96.7 FM. Welcome to another episode of the world-famous, award-winning Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, filmmaker, film festival director, film critic, and lover of film and TV. You can find all the back episodes and so much more at PictureLockShow.com. The 2018 DC Black Film Festival call for entries is now open. The festival will be held August 16th through 18th at the Miracle Theater in Southeast Washington, D.C. Filmmakers can submit through Film Freeway. Visit dcbff.org for more details. This week I have a mixture of interviews with indie filmmakers absolutely doing their thing. I have writer-director of Shadows in Mind, Mark Schwab, Shanda Chavannes, director of Unfractured, L.J. Stewart, executive producer and star of Duality, and... Sandra Bertolamfi, the creator of the web series Kuntzla. If you live in the D.C. area, you'll be able to see Unfractured and Kuntzla at the D.C. Environmental Film Festival and D.C. Webfest, respectively. So pay attention to those details in the interviews that you're about to hear. And that's all ahead on Picture Lock.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Shaz Bennett, writer, director, producer of Alaska's a Drag, and you are listening to Picture Lock.
0: You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, and Shadows in Mind is an absorbing thriller that graphically tackles contemporary subjects of cyber exploitation and the danger of social networks on inexperienced users. I have the writer-director of the film, Mark Schwab, on the line with me. Mark, welcome to Picture Lock.
2: Thank you, Kevin. It's great being on Picture Lock.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm glad I could have you on. Mark, the first question I always start out with, When did you first fall in love with film?
2: I first fell in love with film, uh, I I know the exact date, Uh, August 6, 1987, actually. Uh, I should say filmmaking. This is when I fell in love with filmmaking. When me and my friends made a film on a camcorder in 100-degree weather all day and had the best time, uh, shot it in-camera editing, uh, just in sequence. Uh, It was a horror film called The Hunted, And we just had the best time. And after that, we started making films almost every weekend uh, on our own. And uh, there was nothing like it. It was really, really just a great time. And so that's when I fell in love with filmmaking, for sure. Uh, I'd say I fell in love with film. Before that, uh, I would go to the movies a lot with my parents. My parents were big movie fans. And I used to love going out to the movies with them. And I remember seeing Rocky 1 in the theater it was my very first uh, movie that I really remember. And I, I was so in, you know, into the movie that I wanted to be a boxer when I left the theater. Uh, and I just, I just never, never got tired of uh, being in that dark room with a bunch of people watching a story unfold.
0: You know, I totally understand how you feel about the the power of uh, film and just how whenever I come out of a film, I generally kind of take on that of the main character. So you know, when I go to Fast and Furious films, I generally have to make sure I'm watching my speed limit because
3: <laughs> I can't <laughs> have that
0: lead foot going on. But I, I get it, man. And that is uh, that's an awesome story. I love the story about. Uh, you falling in love with filmmaking, um, and yeah, it's one of those things that, like, hey, you might be out in the heat, but, you know, when you're able to capture that story and tell that story, it's an incredible thing. So, Mark, if you could... Also,
2: yeah. Oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm.
0: No, 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 oh, go no ahead. just
2: Yeah, just, just everybody working together, too. I mean, you know, one of the persons that starred in that film, uh, that very first film, Mark Ballunas, is, is my co-producer and editor today, uh, and worked on Shadows in Mind,
0: so... I mean that's
2: how that's how much we got on the same page, and that was over 30 years ago.
0: <laughs> wow! Yeah, you know, and that that true that is one thing that I don't think a lot of people talk about. Uh, filmmaking, while we might have like the director, the auteur, um, is such a team uh, effort that um, that isn't talked about uh, enough. And I think that is a great point that you bring up because a film can't be made by itself. Like if one person goes to make a film. It's going to be really, really tough to do and really hard to pull off if you're acting in it and lighting it and doing the sound and all that kind of stuff. I I just I feel like it would be such a boring thing. So you're right. um, Teamwork makes the dream work. If you could uh, just give the audience kind of a history lesson in terms of how did you go from that young guy that was, you know, making films out in the heat into actually getting into the industry? Well, that
2: happened uh, in 1996. Uh, I decided to go back to film school. Uh, I was going to go to film school right out of the college. I did, I mean, out of high school, and I didn't. Uh, I put that off for a bit, and then I went back in '96, and I went to uh, the Vancouver Film School. Uh, I started in 1997. And that was fantastic, and the thesis film I made there. Uh, did very well. It played in a lot of festivals. It won some awards, and that's really when I realized, yeah, I can actually do this. I know what I'm doing, uh, and I have some, you know, some ability. Uh, and so when I moved back from Vancouver, I started working for um, a distribution company called Turbulent Arts Releasing in San Francisco, and I, you know, I just did all the regular office gopher stuff. Uh, And then shortly after that, I made a film. uh, I made a a feature film called Walk In, which was only five. It only cost five hundred dollars to make. Uh, Wow! Yeah, basically the cost of one plane ticket, Uh, and it was it was great. I mean, you know, being able to tell a feature film. It's about seventy one minutes long, and it made sense. People liked it. It actually played in a couple film festivals back in you know two thousand uh and then they just kind of kept going from there uh i made another film after that called uh, pins and needles which played in more festivals you know got a little bit higher profile uh and then very shortly after that in 2002 i was recruited to teach filmmaking and video production at at a high school in san jose and so that really kept my hand in as far as keeping up with you know, tech, and uh, every summer I was able to make a short film or even a feature film once in a while, and just kept doing it. And then in 2013, me and Mark Lewis and Robert Campbell, Robert Sean Campbell, we formed Diamond and Rough Films LLC, you know, officially,
0: Uh, and that's what we've been doing since. It's Picture Lock, I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, I'm talking with the writer-director of Shadows in Mind, Mark Schwab. Um, Mark, could you, really quickly, before we get into Shadows and Mind, Mm -hmm. because I definitely want to get into it, can you talk a little bit about what you learned from making those prior films leading you into Shadows and Mind, like for folks that might be listening, um, that are interested in filmmaking, that are filmmakers, what did you learn from those films before that, you know, propelled you into Shadows and Mind? The most important
2: thing I learned, without a doubt, is to be organized,
0: uh, to spend
2: more of your time in pre-production, making sure that your shooting schedules are set up, your shot lists are correct, your locations are locked, uh, and that also when you're making an independent film, especially the the, the really micro-budget level, uh, you need to surround yourself with people that, that get it, that know what this is. Uh, you don't want to surround yourself with people that are expecting, you know, a full trailer and, uh, you know, a filet mignon craft service spread. Uh, it's very, very important that you surround yourself with, with supportive people that enjoy the process and are going to support it in spirit, not just with their talent. Uh, I'd say that's what, what I learned the most from those prior productions, because we really had, we had a lot of fun. I mean, we enjoyed ourselves. And as people always would tell us, wow, we, I can't believe you, you, know, you made a feature film for $3,000 that played in a film festival. How would you do that? Well, it's because you surround yourself with the right people that are the combination of being professional, they're talented, and they're in on their game, their game for what, what we're trying to attempt.
0: Great advice. All right, so Shadows in Mind, if you could, uh, in your own words, what's the film uh, about? Shadows in Mind
2: is a, is a very cautionary tale, tale about a, a young LGBT man who moves to Silicon Valley to take a tech job. He's from the Midwest, uh, and he realizes, of course, that you can have a great tech job, but the money doesn't go very far here in the Bay Area. It's very, very expensive, and he's alone. He doesn't, you know, he, he's moved out here and doesn't know anybody, and so he does what most people do, not just the LGBT community, but they get on an app, a phone app. And that's how they reach out and that's how they connect. And he connects with someone that on paper seems perfect, uh, but he ends up being caught in quite a web uh, of, a, of a plot that's much bigger than him uh, and that he's a very unw- unwitting and unwilling participant in a larger agenda. And so it's a cautionary tale.
0: So I have to know, um, you know, like, what inspired you um, to create the film? Because, um, you know, just in watching it, it's extremely suspenseful. I think that in terms of the pacing, the tone, like, you've nailed all that. Uh, And it even also kind of has a film noir quality to it in terms of like most of the film is kind of dark so it gets you in a certain mood uh as you're watching <laughs> it uh but could you talk a little bit about that like what inspired it and then also you know is that part of what you're going for
2: well there are a number of things that inspired it um one the first thing was you know i had to write a i had to write a screenplay around a budget that we had established. Like I had a number and it's okay. What's a script that I can write that would work within that budget and still look and sound good. So that was just the very basic part of it. Then as a generation Xer myself, uh, I've seen you know, a lot of shifts. I mean, I, I'm, I still, you know, I grew up in an analog world. Now we're in a very digital world. And the way people meet is, is, is extremely different in the way they connect. The social fabric is very different. And I thought, you know, there, there could definitely be a, a dark side to social apps. If someone was intelligent and nefarious enough, they could really exploit that. And it is sort of not enough. It's kind of inspired by someone I knew who moved from Nebraska and moved here to Silicon Valley and was completely blindsided by the culture of it. He said, you know, being LGBT in Nebraska is very different than being LGBT in Silicon Valley. And he found it very overwhelming, and very threatening in certain ways. So that was another slight impetus where, hey, you know, you got to know what you're getting into and also that trust those red flags. When red flags come up, don't ignore them. Uh, And our lead character in this tends to ignore them just because here, you know, he meets a really, really hot guy that he thinks almost he doesn't deserve. And he doesn't want to give that up. So he keeps making, in his own mind, excuses for, you know, what those red flags are. And I'm telling people you should listen to those when they come up.
0: You know, I think that's important, though, because uh, sometimes, you know, what I love about the power of film is that film is non-judgmental, right? It's like up there, it's on the big screen, and it just has something to say, right? So whether whether you pick up on it or not, whatever you do with it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's totally subjective. It's up to you. Um, but a film like this uh, and kind of tackling the issues that you just talked about is really important because I do think that um, I, you know, th- this day and age in terms of dating and like how people actually meet to date, um, and, and just our social interaction um, is is totally different from what it was like, you know, 10, 15, tw- definitely 20 years ago, um, so I definitely think that that's uh, an important thing to kind of bring up because, as you said, um, you know, it's really kind of like, ai don't want to say coming from the country to the big city, but it kind of has that vibe of just that naivete of the, the main character and, uh, as you said, like that first love and, you know, those emotions can sometimes have you thinking kind of outside of what logistically or logically seems to be uh, the best thing to do? Of course, and, and you know, I
2: want to make it clear. You know, I'm not. I'm actually not judging. I'm not, like you said. I'm not judging the social dating apps uh, mm-hmm. here in my film at all. It's, there, there's nothing inherently wrong with them, but they 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 can be used nefariously, uh, and especially preying on. I mean, there's a lot of things I'm saying in the film. I'm I'm saying there are people out there that will justify anything for monetary gain, which they they will. I mean, every character in here is a variation of someone I've I've met over, you know, my 48 years. And they're, they're out there. And you need to be aware. And you also need support. That's the other problem with our lead character. He doesn't have any support, you know? And so... A lot of people are feeling very disconnected and lonely in today's hyper-connected world. And that's the other ironic thing that, that my film is saying, because Danny ends up being very, very isolated in many ways.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the writer-director of Shadows and Mind, Mark Schwab. Mark, uh, you know, we're going to have to bring the interview to a close, unfortunately, but... This film is about to hit the film festival circuit. People can definitely start to look out for it. Um, could you let people know how they can follow you, follow the film, etc.?
2: Absolutely. Uh, of course, we're on Twitter at DITR Films. You can go to our website at www.ditrfilms.com. We have a number of things there on the film. The trailer is there, of course. Uh, Also, we review films professionally. There's a lot of resources at DITR Films that we provide for the independent filmmaker. Uh, But yeah, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook as well at Diner the Rock Films. We post updates constantly. Uh, We have a number of film festivals that we're waiting to hear back from any minute now, literally. Uh, as well as we're talking with a, uh, you know, a few distributors right now who have expressed interest in the film. But uh, yeah, get ready. I think it's, uh, I think it's a, a very topical subject. And so far, the, uh, the critics have agreed. It's, uh, it's getting great reviews, and we're really excited about the film.
0: Awesome. Writer, director of Shadows in Mind, Mark Schwab, thanks so much for coming on Picture Lock, and I definitely wish you well with the film. I know that it's going to continue to do well on the circuit.
2: Thank you, Kevin. Anytime. I'd love to come
3: on. Hi, this is Emma Franz from Australia. I'm the writer-producer-director of Bill Frizzella Portrait, and you're listening to Picture Lock.
0: You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, and Unfractured is a hopeful documentary about fighting with your whole heart. It follows introspective biologist and mother, Sandra Steingraber, as she reinvents herself as an outspoken activist and throws herself into an environmental war that many believe is unwinnable. I have the director of the film, Shanda Shavanis. Did I hit that right?
4: Yes, that's perfect. Yes,
0: on the line with me, Shanda. Welcome to Picture Lock.
4: Thanks for having me, Kevin. I'm happy to be here.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm happy to have you. The first question I always start out with is... When did you first fall in love with film?
4: Well, I think growing up, I, I always loved film, but it wasn't until um, I actually went to high school, um, I wanted to be an actor and I thought I wanted to be a theatrical actor. Um, but it turned out that I wasn't very good at acting, but what I was good at was more technical things. And we did some fundraising and um, bought an edit suite for video. And I started teaching myself how to edit. And it was through the making of video that I really kind of fell in love with the medium.
0: Wow. Okay. So if you could, jumping off of that point, you fall in love with the medium. Give us a little history lesson in terms of how you broke into the industry.
4: Sure. Um, So I went to um, a college here. I'm from uh, Canada, Toronto, Canada. So I went to a college here called Sheridan College. Um, And I had always kind of had these two competing forces inside myself. So I knew I wanted to do something creative, which is why I was at that arts high school. Um, But I also wanted to do something that was somehow helpful. Uh, And I thought that those two things were separate. So for a while, I thought I wanted to be an actor. And then I thought I wanted to be um, a teacher and then maybe a doctor. So I was kind of wavering back and forth between creative and helpful. Um, And then when I got to Sheridan College, I got this great lesson in the history of documentary film in Canada. And I watched dozens and dozens of films that were both incredibly artful, but also had a strong social message. And so I realized in that first year of college that I could do something that combined both um, my interest in making change in the world with my interest in doing something creative. Uh, And then from there, I got an internship at a production company here in Toronto, uh, and I worked there for a few years. And then I moved to Africa and I made some films there with an organization that works to prevent violence against women and children. And since then, I've been making documentaries that work to amplify women's voices. And I've been trying to combine that kind of artful sensibility that I have with also a strong interest that I have in social justice.
0: It's Picture Lock, I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the director of Unfractured, Shanda Chavannes. Shanda, I'm really interested in uh, the film Unfractured. And I'm really interested in the sense that I am a father. And I have uh, two little ones: five five-year-old girl, three-year-old boy. Um, and so I can totally relate to the fact that um, when you have a you know you know passion about something, that's one thing. But then, like when your kids get involved, like it's a totally different fight. So if you could, like, just kind of talk about. Um, how you came across the material and um, why you felt that this was something that you wanted to, as you said, marry those two different sensibilities that you have as a filmmaker.
4: Sure. Well, I'm a, I'm a mother too. And actually, when I started filming Unfractured, my kids were the same age as your kids are now. Um, and it was a struggle for me Uh, to try to take care of my kids, with the help of my um, ex-husband, of course, as well, Um, but also to then be uh, driving down to upstate New York sometimes Every other week uh, to film Unfractured. So, um, the story of Unfractured is really focused on the life of Sandra Steingraber, who reinvents herself as an environmental activist. And uh, she's trying to balance raising her kids with also fighting for a statewide ban on fracking in New York. And in the middle of the fight, her husband starts having strokes. And so she has to decide whether she's going to keep fighting or whether she's going to come home and uh, kind of dig into her family life a little bit more Um, and she decides to keep fighting and so the film tells the story of the strain on her um, the strain on her family um, but also on you know what we can do as individuals we have to make these difficult choices um, and there is um, definitely a payment that has to be made uh, when we make these kind of big choices to try to do something positive for the world Um, but it can have incredible effects Uh, and I was really interested in exploring that because I saw that it was a very real struggle for Sandra uh, every day trying to decide where to put her attention and uh, as a mother and as a filmmaker I have that exact same struggle in my life and I think it's one that a lot of parents share and especially mothers were still there's still this kind of gendered idea that women's are supposed to be the the caretakers and when i was working on unfractured um i would go down to the states and i would film uh, and when i was talking to people about my kids while i was on a shoot they would always say to me well who's looking after them now and it was like, well, <laughs> yeah. you know, their dad is looking after them. And by the same token, you know, he spent eight months working in Atlanta in New York City on a picture for um, for Sony. And never once did anyone ask him who was taking care of, their, of his kids when he talked about our kids. Um, so there's definitely a kind of a fight that we're um, still waging as women.
0: Shanna, this is so interesting because so my wife, um, and and this is kind of like hard right real quick, and we'll come back. She started this thing, a nonprofit, she the She First Project, and basically dealing with that same thing is that a lot of times women these days um, they don't practice self care, so that because they're putting you know the kids first or um, you know their husband or whoever. Um, first, um, they're not actually taking care of themselves. And so it's like you just said that, you know, there is a price that has to be paid. And if you're not able to find some sense of balance, then, you know, unfortunately, either you're going to lose out or, you know, the the kids may lose out in, in this situation. So I find that extremely interesting. And I think that that's what, when I saw the trailer to the film, I wasn't, it wasn't really about the fracking issue I automatically saw that it was more of an issue of, you know, us as human beings and, like, how we're kind of equipped to handle things and making those big decisions in the gray areas. So if you could kind of talk about how I'm sure that that's, like, a part of uh, the documentary.
4: Absolutely. So, um, you know, you're right that fracking is kind of, is the backdrop and it's definitely this fight that really kind of lit a fire under Sandra. She was, um, you know, a kind of very careful biologist before. And then when fracking threatened to come into New York, uh, she really became, you know, like a boots on the ground kind of activist, like very grassroots, very, um, she felt very urgently about it. Um, but and you know, you could swap out fracking and put in almost any other um, fight that we progressives are having, whether it's, (laughs) you know, pipelines or coal mining or uh, you know, sexual assault of women. I mean, it's all kind of wrapped up in the same thing. So, mm-hmm. um, so what I like to say is that it's a film about a woman who's an activist and she's really fighting with her whole heart, um, but that that does uh, have costs for her and costs for her family. Um, and so we see her struggle with that throughout the film. Uh, and it's you know, th- it's those pieces that really resonate with people. And you know, I think. That that, um, a lot of us are really worried right now. Uh, you know, in the States, of course, you guys have Donald Trump to worry about and all the policies <laughs> <that> he's, he's <laughs> enacting there. Um, and here in Canada, we have a much more progressive uh, head of state, but there are still huge issues here, huge issues with pipelines, huge issues with Indigenous rights. Um, and so I think that you know, as people who are working for progressive change, we do feel like we're surrounded on all different fronts. And so um, we can sometimes feel overwhelmed. And I think that that's actually the biggest worry is is that when we want to work for change, we're worried about being overwhelmed in the way that Sandra was. But I think the true message of the film is that it was hard but she is a regular person just like all of us and she came through it and she had tremendous success with, the, with you know, thousands of other people who were working on this issue with her. Um, they really won a, an amazing victory. The film is not like any other environmental film that I've seen because it has an incredibly uplifting, triumphant ending. Um, and so it does say that you know you have to go through the muck and the mire and it's hard and it's a struggle, but in the end, it's worth it.
0: Totally worth it and uh, unfortunately it would be totally worth it if we could talk more but i gotta bring the interview to a close but for the dc audience that's listening you have an opportunity to actually see unfractured uh, at the dc environmental film festival Uh, shanda could you talk a little bit about how folks could not only see it there but then um if they wanted to follow the film how they can do that as well
4: Sure. Um, so it's playing at the DCEFF on Saturday, March 24th at 4 p.m. at the Carnegie Institution for Science. Um, and Sandra and I will both be there for Q&A following the film. So it's an opportunity to hear um, her speak really inspiringly about what ha- what's happened since the film. Um, and then also, if people want to follow and learn more about the film, you can visit our website, which is unfractured.com, or uh, for regular updates on Facebook, is a great way too and that's just uh, unfractured is our tag for that
0: tanda you're a now and forever uh, official friend of the show so i definitely hope to have you back on thanks so much for coming on picture lock
4: thanks for having me kevin it was a lot of fun
0: let's take a quick break for promos stay tuned Hey everybody, I appreciate everyone that listens to the Picture Lock Podcast, and for you, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. If you're like me, then it's been a while since you've sat down and read a book, but it hasn't been long since you listened to a podcast. In fact, you're listening to one right now. Why? Because you're able to be entertained, informed, or educated on the go. That's kind of how I like my books as well. With Audible.com, I can listen to Joseph Campbell's The Hero with a Thousand Faces, or Robert McKee's story when I'm in the mood for learning about the craft, or Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point when I'm trying to learn how to be a better influencer. The point is, a wealth of knowledge is at your fingertips. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com picturelock for a free 30-day trial. It's that easy. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash picturelock for a free 30-day trial to Audible. What's up, guys? Thank you so much for listening to and supporting Picture Lock. I absolutely love film, as you know, and have given my life to studying the medium. As a filmmaker, I understand what it takes to make a film from its inception to the big screen. As a critic, I've been able to see the business of film from the marketing side of things. And as a film festival director, I've been able to see the distribution side, but more importantly, the enormous amount of talented filmmakers out there creating and crafting stories from their heart. And that's why I've started PictureLock PR. If you're a filmmaker or producer looking to engage audiences and create relevance around your latest or upcoming project, head over to PictureLockPR.com. We can help you with your film's publicity from pre to post-production. Get more information and see the clients we've helped in the past at PictureLockPR.com. PictureLock PR, finally, a partner as passionate as you. Everyone says, I wish I was in your shoe, I wish I was in your shoe. The people, the hundreds of people that wish they were in my shoe don't know the hints of it. If they were in my shoe, they would cry like babies.
3: I'm Jason Fraley, film critic for WTOP, and you're listening
0: to Picture Lock.
1: Hi, this is Andy Edmonds, director of the Virginia Film Office, and you're listening to Picture Lock.
0: you're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, and Duality is an action-based short film offering a glimpse into the lives of two women opposite in nature and their dealings with the effects of trauma, loss, and hope. I have the film's executive producer, co-writer, and star L.J. Stewart on the line. L.J., welcome to Picture Lock. Hi, Hello,
1: hello much
0: for having me on. How are you? I'm doing well. It's so good to talk to you. You know, you're at the DC Black Film Festival last year with Junior. Um, And, you know, I just felt like we're, you know, kindred spirits. This is my homegirl, (laughs) y'all. But I'm so glad that I can introduce you to the Picture Lock audience because you haven't been on the show yet. So this is awesome. I haven't. Yes, this is
1: amazing. And I'm truly grateful. Hello, (laughs) Picture Lock
0: family. Hello. I love it. I love it. So, (laughs) LJ, the first question I always start out with is, when did you first fall in love with film?
1: Um, When I fell in love with film it's also when I fell in love with the art of storytelling and the art of acting, and that is with the film Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, starring Betty Davis. I was eight years old when my mother showed me that black and white classic movie. I Still to this day, I can't really put it into words of what, struck me as oh my god i have to do that that is what i want to do for the rest of my life um but since i was eight years old in that film starring that actress so i always credit my mother for being uh the person to introduce me into the craft that i'm pursuing today
0: that is amazing now isn't isn't that wire hangers is that is that the Wirehanger? film? Yeah. No,
1: no, no. That's that's Mother Dearest. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> My bad. I'm, I... Yeah. So I invite you. I invite you to watch, and your audience, to watch the movie Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. They're starring Betty Davis. It's an old film, and Betty goes completely bonkers in it. It's, it's amazing. An amazing story.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I definitely will have to check it out. I love how... The influences of our parents definitely uh, just kind of start us off on that right on that path. And it seems like, you know, you can never go wrong with a a classic film. And I know that I know the film because my mom, uh, her name is Charlotte. And so she would always talk about it. But I just I've never watched it. So I do need to watch that for sure. Yeah. All right. So, LJ, give us a history lesson. Like, how did you actually get started in the industry? Um, Well, I
1: did drama. In high school, from there, I went on to college, Alabama State University, graduated, got my B.A. in theater, then continued on, got my master's in theater from Penn State, and from there, I've just been working in the industry. Now, to be honest, I never thought that I would be sitting on the back end and writing stories, directing Producing, I never thought that that would be the track that I would start. But from a few of my mentors, they would always say in this industry, you have to create your own lane. You can't sit back and wait for the phone to ring. You have so much competition. So while you're waiting or while you're waiting for that big shot, create your own stuff. So, Junior was my very first project that I created, and that was just last year, Um, you know, in 2016, so two years ago now. uh, That was my first, and I fell in love with it and fell in love with it so hard and so passionate that I've just been writing nonstop, and it just keeps going. So, I have multiple projects. Well, one specifically, that I'm focusing on right now, which is a um, an original drama series called Public Relations. So I'm heavy foot deep in pre-production for that, which I've created and I've written, and it's it's going to be a great time. So.
0: <laughs> anytime anytime <laughs> you hear that L.J. Stewart is working on something new, uh, that <laughs> definitely has to get you excited. Folks, it's Picture yeah. Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with Executive producer, co-writer, and star of Duality, L.J. Stewart. So, uh, L.J., if you could, um, just I, I know I kind of gave a summary for the audience in the beginning, but just kind of tell the audience what you think that the film is about in plain words and how you got involved.
1: Absolutely. Um, so duality really gives you a, a true glimpse into the life of two women who are completely opposite in nature, looking for the exact same thing. And you see how the effects of trauma, loss and hope weighs heavily down upon these two individuals um, who happen to be sisters trying to look for the exact same thing, <laughs> which is each other in solace at the end of the film. Um, we wanted to pick from real-life experiences living out here in Los Angeles. The homeless community is rampant. Um, so we focused on homelessness. We also focused on bipolar depression, which is a stigma, really, that we don't talk about in the Black community and how, unfortunately, a lot of the homeless people here – all around the world are suffering from some form of mental illness and how they don't get the treatment that they need. Um, And we also focus on child abuse within our community and how that can lead to PTSD, which can then trickle into bipolar depression. So we tackle a lot of social issues, stigma issues that we don't talk about in hopes that when people see this film, that it humanizes Uh, The mental illness community and and you want to know more and to also know that it's okay if you have any symptoms like that or you see anyone that you love with those symptoms to get help. There's help out there. So that that was the whole purpose of creating this short film.
0: So I know that uh, you're kind of coming to Picture Lock on the earlier end and you guys just wrapped production not too long ago. You're about to go on the film festival circuit. Um, What's been like the reaction to the film so far?
1: Well, we've had our very first private screening last week. And it was so rewarding. We had two screenings, actually, that same night. Uh, A few people instantly were like, okay, where's the feature? We want more. We want to see more. We're like, oh, okay, that's that's great to hear. (laughs) And then they would also say, um, yeah, this is things that we don't talk about what have you learned about it tell us more about bipolar depression tell us more about how um child abuse could could help well make someone grow up and 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 when they don't deal with those issues how do they react in the world so we started getting questions that we felt like a mental like someone who works in a health um, industry should have. We we're like, oh, we don't, we don't
0: know that. <laughs> right, right, right. We don't we're
1: know just all those details, but we're glad that that you know sparked that interest in you that you want to know more because that's what we want. We want the conversation. Right, right, right. yeah. So, and and also because it was. uh privately screened here in LA. Everyone who watched it knew instantly about the homeless community. So we had quite a few people in the audience who shared their stories of um, just walking by homeless people constantly and how there are different homeless people. So we had conversations about that as well. And they asked us, so what do we do? And I'm like, we don't know. Let's figure it out together. But we want to help out the community. As long as the, the conversation is starting, we're doing our job.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I think that yeah. that is the power of film and the arts and that the fact that, you know, um, you can have a space like that um, to kind of get people talking and, and thinking about it. Um, yeah. So if you could uh, just let people know, like kind of how they can follow the film, um, social media, et cetera.
1: Absolutely. So we're on Instagram, um, and our tag name is Duality the Film underscore. Um, our hashtag is across all social media handles, which is hashtag Duality the Film, and we're on Facebook as well, the Film Duality. So you can follow us there, and then you can also follow myself, L J Stewart, and L J is out E L L E J A E Stewart. Um, on Instagram and Facebook to um, stay up to date on the film. And we plan on doing a Vimeo uh, video-on-demand streaming service. And um, our tentative date at this moment for release is Friday, March 23rd. And we're going to put it out there to the masses. It will be available to rent for $2.99, and we're still trying to figure out what organization we want to pair with so that some of the proceeds go toward that organization and toward our
0: cause. It's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the executive producer and star of Duality, L.J. Stewart. Um, that's awesome, lJ. Um Thank I, you. I think it sounds like i'm gonna I'm gonna have to release this um on on that Friday so that uh, you know some folks can go check out the film. Um, yeah, and that'd be awesome to to support a charity. So if you could just kind of wrapping things out, um, you know what are what are you looking forward to next? I know you just talked about public relations. if you could give us a little more details about that.
1: Okay, absolutely. Yeah. So public relations was actually <laughs> the inspiration behind it came from a crazy episode I watched of Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. And so <laughs> I started thinking to myself, like, what would it really look like for someone's life to be uprooted? You know, if their lover steps out of their relationship and start a whole another family? What would that look like? And then let's like, pair on. With the main character being a celebrity publicist, so she's in the public eye, she has to keep her her, uh, persona squeaky clean for herself and her clients, but yet she's dealing with all of this massive drama behind her. What does that look like? So the series will follow this woman and the choices that she'll make, the breakdowns or the upbringings that she will have throughout this struggle of dealing with her husband who has started another family outside of their home.
0: Wow, uh, I'm interested. In, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm interested <laughs> in already. <laughs> oh yes. man, well that's awesome. Well, L J, uh, you're definitely gonna have to come back on um, yes. when when public relations hits friend of the show, yes. L J Stewart, ladies and gentlemen. L J, thanks for coming on. Picture lock.
1: Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you. Have a great day. Hey, everybody, this is After 7, Nikki Thomas with the Indie Capital Awards, and you're listening to Picture Lock with my boy, Kevin Sampson.
0: You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. And the web series Kinsla, which means artist in German, is a mini doc series that discovers and portrays emerging artists and explores art as a means of expression, communication and emotional connection. I have the series creator Sandra Bertalanfi on the line. Sandra, welcome to Picture Lock.
3: Hi Kevin, thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: I'm glad to have you on, you know, uh, the series is really awesome. The the artwork is just exquisite. Um, I think, (laughs) I just can't wait to talk to you about this, but the first question I I start out with is, when did you first fall in love with film? (laughs)
3: Wow, that's a big question. Well, I grew up in Germany. I'm German. So I guess my influences regarding film were a bit different. I remember um, sitting in front of my black and white TV that had like one to three stations and would run over to my grandmother's house to watch um, like color television and like all the cool stuff. And I would watch like, um, oh my God, like American TV series, basically. Um, and yeah, so I, I was exposed to both German TV and American series. And uh, yeah, I fell fell in love with, you know, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air
0: and kind of run that jam. Nice, I was hoping you were gonna be like, you know, um, Fritz Lang's M was just, (laughs) I was gonna be like that. That's awesome, (laughs) I haven't gotten that one yet. (laughs) Cool, so Sandra, if you could, like, just give us a history lesson in terms of how you went from that kid that was watching you know, Fresh Prince and all those other shows to, uh, you know, the creator of this cool doc series.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, all right. So, uh, starting out in Germany as well, uh, I went into business first. I studied business and then realized that I wanted to explore my, my creative and artistic side more, um, and quit my job as a business consultant to move to Hollywood to become an actor. So quite that change right there. And, um, yeah, so, so I was, I was acting for a few years. I was, I still am acting, um, went back to Germany after acting school. And um, that's when I kind of started entering the web series world with starring on Number of Silence, uh, a web series that um, you know of. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mystery um, and sci-fi show uh, made in Germany. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so I kind of fell into that and then ultimately become a, became a producer for the show when I moved to New York City, which is where I live right now. Um, pursuing acting still, and then transitioning into into creating my my own stuff. Um, so I guess being here in New York City and around so many talented and wonderful artists, um, I've, I I realize that that an interest of mine is is exploring that and kind of understanding other artists' um, thoughts and ideas behind what they're doing. Um, and then also, sh- you know, sharing that with other people in, in terms of, you know, those little four-minute visual love letters that I'm creating with Kinsla, uh, the series.
0: It's Picture I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, and I'm talking with the creator of Kinsla, Sandra Bertolampi. Sandra, um, you know, I, I'm always uh, amazed at how when uh, a filmmaker can tell such a poignant story and such a quick amount of time Um, if you could let the audience know a little bit more about Kinsla but then also like how did you find these different artists
3: okay Um, all right so Kinsla is a a mini doc series um, about different artists both visual and performing uh, artists Uh, they're about four minute episodes each Um, the first season will have six episodes in total Um, and from each episode, you can expect to get insight on, you know, they're, they're interview-based, so you will see the artists talk about, um, you know, their, their artwork, the process, you know, what they're creating, how they're creating it. You will see it as well. Uh, for example, the first two episodes are uh, visual artists, uh, painters, and you will see them, you know, creating their art in the moment. And then um, the, the episodes also talk about, you know, why they're doing what they're doing and um, kind of what I explored and found that how art connects us all and, you know, in all these different ways. You will also find um, performing artists on the show, singers, uh, for example, and yeah, these are the artists that I I love and know. It's people that I've seen and fell in love with, uh, friends of mine, basically, um, yeah, that's how I come across, and then I constantly look out for new artists to discover for, you know, the following seasons, fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got some talented friends. Goodness gracious. <laughs> um, so uh, if you could, I think that part of um, the doc series, the, the uh, what you try to do is kind of get into the mind of the artist and... Um, I find that the their stories and, you know, how they're expressing themselves, it's really interesting, right? Because, like, there's a difference between somebody that wants to go to school to be uh, a cardiologist and, you mm-hmm. know, work on the heart. And then there's a difference between how, like, an, an artist actually thinks. And I think that's, what's, that's what makes us great as, you know, human beings and human race. So if you could kind of, like... How do you get um, the artists to kind of talk to you about um, their mindset if, and their thought process and creating their art?
3: Yeah, um, that, that's a very good question. And it's also the first time that I really dive into documentary filmmaking and really, you know, try to you know, sit down with someone and basically have them tell me something very personal and and, uh, and private because those are the most, you know, interesting moments for an audience to hear and to, in essence, feel connected to the person that you see on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, I, I said they're friends of mine. Um, some are better friends, and some are, you know, new friends. And I wasn't sure, you know, if they you know, if they would open up to me, and so on. But I have to say that every every artist that I talked to so far, they're really excited. To be you know to be on the show and be of interest in that sense and that someone you know features their art and sees and wants to know more because it's exciting to share a process, I think. And um, overall I, I what I find is and what I found interesting and fascinating is that because uh, you mentioned going to school for you know cardiology or something specific, um, with artists, I, I find across the board almost that, you know, they they have to, there is this need and they have to do it. They have to get it out of themselves. And it's, it's sometimes, sometimes it's, you know, just receiving something and giving it an expression through a painting, through a poem and that, you know, you kind of, you receive and letting it out. Um, Yes. I was, I was very fortunate and surprised how people are, are willing to open up
0: to me. Well, you definitely have it in the series Kinsla. If you could, Sandra, um, just let people know how they can find out more about the film, follow it, or the series, and follow it on social media. I know that you're going to be playing at DC Web Fest, uh, which takes place April 6th through the 8th, um, but how can people follow you on social media and find out more about it?
3: Yeah, um, so you're welcome to come follow Künstler on Instagram. Künstler is spelled K-Y-N-N-S-T-L-A-H. Um, I, I basically do Instagram um, and I will be starting to feature the artists very soon. So you get to you know, find out more about each individual artist that's going to be on the show. Um, yes, please come out to DC and see, see the live screening of, of the series. And then also, if you go on Instagram and click on the link in the bio, you can sign up for the newsletter to learn more about the show. And if you live in New York City, come by. There will be a live event and live screening of the full entire season uh, on May 12th. So save the date and just connect and I'll I'll answer you. I'm excited to hear from you. And see artwork if you're an artist.
0: Awesome. Sandra Roberta Lampe, the creator of Pinslet, thanks so much for coming on Picture Lock.
3: Thanks for having me,
0: Kevin. And That's all for this episode. I'd like to thank my guests, Mark Schwab, Shanda Chavanes, LJ Stewart, and Sandra Berta-Lamphy for coming on the show. You can find Picture Lock on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Pinterest, and Periscope. All social media is at Picture Lock Show. Watch back episodes of the TV show at YouTube.com slash Picture Lock Show and subscribe to it to get some incredible value and see interviews with filmmakers and the like. You can download the podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Now, this is a really cool thing. If you have an Alexa, just say, Alexa, play Picture Lock on TuneIn Radio. I like I get a kick out of doing it. I do it all the time now. It'll play the latest episode, it can play back episodes. I love Alexa and the voice skills, so make sure you hit that up please subscribe if you haven't and give the show a hearty review. It only helps in making sure that Picture Lock is heard by the masses. I appreciate that. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out the form on the website. Did this episode resonate with you? What's your favorite Picture Lock episode so far this year? Did you binge on Kuntzla? These are the questions I need answers to. Send me an email and let me know at picturelockshow at gmail.com. All music is done by Mike S. The Prophet 13. Thanks, bro. I'm Kevin Sampson, and until next time, I hope you stay locked on film.